Hey, thank you for joining us for this week's podcast at Christ Fellowship. We invite you to grab a Bible, a journal, or whatever you need to engage with the Holy Spirit during this time. Our prayer is that God would use this to equip and empower you into all He has designed you to be. And if you want to learn more about what's going on here in East Tennessee, check out our website and follow us on social media. Enjoy. just not a time that we could get tired of praising you, that we would not want to praise you. We adore you. And we just stand before you this morning to tell you how much that we love you, that you are magnificent, that you are our everything, and we just worship you. And this morning as Richie prayed and He closed up his prayer by saying, King Jesus, we love you. And I think that you love to hear us say it. And we say it again. King Jesus, we love you. We love you. And may today be to your glory. Amen. Amen. Good morning, you guys. What a beautiful time together, right? That was awesome. Great. I'm so glad to be with you. I'm Kim Wheeler. I'm the adult ministry director here at Christ Fellowship. And I'm going to do something right out of the gate that you're um, not supposed to do in public speaking. Like the big no-no in public speaking. Don't divide your audience before you've hooked your audience. That's what they tell you. But I'm going to divide you right out of the gate. Because I'm about to make a statement that some of you are going to champion and some of you are going to be like, no. And so here it is. Are you ready? I hate snow. I mean, I don't just, I loathe snow. I despise everything about it. I cannot stand the snow. As a matter of fact, I was telling somebody first service, snow has been ruining my life for as long as I can remember. I have a February birthday And as a kid, every birthday party was postponed because it snowed. And we would get out of school, and that was supposed to be some really great thing. But, you know, after you're out of school for a day or so, it's not that much fun anymore. Plus, they add it on to the end, and that's no good. And then I had a 20-year teaching career. And we would go in, and they'd be like, "If, if you're from Sullivan County, you know this, okay? If you know, you know. We would go to school and they would say, it's snowing in Knoxville. The buses are on their way to East. We're getting out. Is that not right? And that's the way that it went. And everybody's like, yay, we're getting out of school. No, they stick a day on the end. Wouldn't you rather come to school when it's cold and be at home when it's warm and pretty outside? I despise the snow. So this week, I have been so mad. (laughs) Like, it ruins everything. And I said at one point this week, I am not fit to be around people because I was so mad about the snow. And I would look outside and I would get angry. But then there's this really beautiful thing that was happening at the same time. So our daughter, Abby, is 24 and she's back home with us for a year. Um, She left her real world job to go back to school for a year, which meant she had to come and live with us. And so she was there with me while we were having the snow this week. And there were moments where it was like, oh, look, we're doing a jigsaw puzzle together. That makes me so happy. I love that. And we played cards. And that's so great. And then I'd look out the window and I'd be mad again. (laughs) And it went like that all week long. And it was great until it wasn't. And the thing is this, it just made me hyper aware of what I want to talk about today, which is how our emotions can be all over the map, all at the same time. They can just go fluctuate from here to here with no time flat. And I wanted us to talk about that today because sometimes I think that emotions get us in a space where we feel like we have to control them, but we don't. Emotions are not foreign to God or his people. And I put together a little list, I'll throw it up here for you just to look at, just to prove to you that people in the Bible also experienced a wide variety of emotions. Look at it. Jesus rejoiced. It says in Scripture that Jesus marveled. 
but it also says he was sad. Moses was angry. Moses was so angry, you'll remember that he threw things. David was offended and bitter. Peter, James, and John, at one point in scripture, they were amazed. And Peter felt guilt and shame. So emotions aren't a foreign concept. This has been happening since the beginning of time and God himself has emotions. But here's where I want us to kind of hang today is in a place of asking a lot of questions. As a matter of fact, we may walk away today with more questions than we have answers. But the first one is this. What if we gave more thought to our emotions and let them direct our attention to God instead of always just trying to squish them down? I want to ask you something. How many of you in here right now have some sort of emotion? Right now, you're feeling some kind of emotion. That's pretty much everybody. A few of you who are you know, a little bit blank, but you'll be all right. You'll feel something here in a minute. In about the next 20 minutes, you'll be feeling the emotion of anxiousness as we need to wrap this up, right? So, so you know, but we're all feeling something. So have you ever thought about what we can do with what we feel? So let me ask you this question. Here's another one. Why did you make, if you made one, why did you make a New Year's resolution? If you made one. Or, here's a question, why do you diet and exercise? Why do you go on vacation? That's a good question. Or, why do you buy new things for yourself? So, here's the deal. A lot of what I just mentioned, New Year's resolutions, dieting, exercising, a lot of that's rooted in physical decisions. Like, I want to feel better, so I exercise. I want to um, have more peace in my life, so I make wise choices. But I would put out there to you that there's a possibility that you do a lot of those things to try to control some emotion. I know that I do. This one a lot is I'm going to plan a vacation because I need some peace and some stability. I'm feeling too much upheaval. I'm going to plan a vacation. I need to go somewhere. I think that it's really interesting because how many of you have ever said, you know what I need is some retail therapy? <laughs> Anybody ever said that? Y'all know what retail therapy is? Yeah, no? Here's a fun fact for you. Retail therapy has actually been added to our dictionary. Webster's Dictionary will have a definition in it for retail therapy. And listen to this. This is what it is. Retail therapy is defined as shopping with the primary purpose of improving the buyer's mood. It often occurs during times of depression or stress when relief from anxiety is needed. The fact that retail therapy provides a short-term comfort with a long-term problem like cost and debt makes it equivalent to that of drug use. That's hardcore, right? And yet we say those things and we do those things just to try to make ourselves feel better. So here we are again. What are we going to do with our emotions and not medicate them? Here's the second polling the audience. Now, if you didn't raise your hand for the first one, you're definitely not going to raise it for this one. But let's just see. How many of you, as we are sitting here right now, have some sort of negative emotion going on inside of you? You just do it up and down real fast so nobody sees yeah, I would dare say in a, in a room this size, as many people as had any emotion, that many might have a negative one. And they can coexist. That's what's so crazy about them. But this is what we say. If you have been at Christ Fellowship for any amount of time, I bet you have heard from up here or in a class somewhere this statement. Are you ready? It is. Any negative emotion is an invitation for a conversation with God. Any negative emotion is an invitation for a conversation with God. If there is something that you're feeling and it doesn't feel good, could we flip our thought and see it as an invitation to talk to God? This question that's on the screen is going to be our overarching question for the whole day. What if we let our negative emotions become a catalyst for hearing God? 
instead of medicating them, instead of squishing them down, instead of trying to just push them out of the way, what if we actually let those negative things catapult us into hearing what God has to say to us? It would change the way we live. Before we move on, I want to tell you uh, by way of shameless plug, because I think this is super important, okay? We are going to do a Hearing God class here at the church as soon as this series ends. We've, we've been doing this class for a little over five years now, and we've had a touch over a thousand people who have actually walked through the class. And when this series ends next week, we're going to start a Hearing God class the following week. So if you look up here on February the 6th, you can come out for Hearing God. It's going to happen at two different times. So pick the one that works for you. You can come during the day at 1 or you can come in the evening at 6.30. But I would encourage you, jump on the app, jump on the website, sign up for this and be a part of it. Because it is so good to sit in community with people and start vetting out what God is saying to us. It's so good. So, like I said, we're halfway through this series. We'll wrap it up next week, but we want to keep the two pieces of scripture that we've anchored into for hearing in the forefront of our minds. So let me remind you what they are. The first one is from 1 Corinthians 2.16, and a piece of that verse says, we have the mind of Christ. Now, It doesn't say we're getting the mind of Christ or we're going to have it eventually. It actually says it's a done deal. We have the mind of Christ. As believers redeemed by Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. Here's the thing. What do we do when we don't feel like we have the mind of Christ? What do we do when our mind feels like it's chaos, anger, frustration, disappointment, discouragement? What do we do in that moment? We have the mind of Christ, then why am I having all these things swirling in my head and in my heart? And the thing is, the key to it is, we have the mind of Christ, but we have to access it. We have to, we like to say, co-labor with God. He's doing a lot of things and he has a lot of really great ideas and he wants to give the great ideas to you, but we have to work alongside him to receive what's already ours. And it's as easy as asking and as simple as listening. The second piece of scripture that's our anchor, so that's the first one. The second one comes from Jeremiah 33.3. And God is talking through the prophet and God says, Call to me and I will answer you. Not I might, not I'll think about it. I will answer you, he says. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. It's a promise that he's making to us that we can absolutely grab hold of. But again, we have to work with him. We have to co-labor with him to make those things into our reality. Because here's what we need to know. The best thing that we can do for our relationship with God and for our own peace of mind is to be honest with God. The best thing we can do is to be honest with Him. To tell Him the absolute truth about everything that we're thinking and feeling. And some of us kind of prickle up a little bit when we say that because we're like, well, I couldn't possibly tell God everything that I'm thinking or feeling because He would be very upset about that. He already knows. (laughs) Like the invitation for you to tell Him is for you. He already knows, but he wants you to tell him because if you tell him, then it's out here in the light and we can do something with it. He invites us to be so completely honest with him that we get to the core of what we're thinking, feeling, and believing. If we don't do that, let me tell you the danger of not doing that. If we don't do that, then we run the risk of having so much stuff in us, like Katie led us in singing We have so much clutter if we don't get that stuff out that we run the risk of not being able to recognize his voice. There's so much in our heart and so much in our head that we can't even recognize what God's saying. Or 
equally as bad. Maybe we recognize what he's saying, but there's so much clutter and junk in our heart and head that we misinterpret what he's saying. We view it through the lies that we're believing, and then we've decided that he's saying something that he never said before. So being honest just clears the communication between us and him. And so that's pretty much where we're sitting today, in this place where we're going to talk about the fact that God has given us two really awesome gifts to keep this pathway between us and him, our hearing, to keep it clear. And they are, you ready? Confession and repentance. Don't get anxious. That's a negative emotion. We've got some messed up views about confession and repentance. Sometimes we hear those words and we're like, oh, we don't want to talk about confession and repentance because we've, we've heard the wrong thing about them. It's very likely that either we've been taught or we've just wrongly assumed that confession is naming my bad behavior and repentance is promising not to do it anymore. And how sustainable is that? That's about as sustainable for as long as you can dig your heels in and will yourself to do it, which is about like this. If all we understand about confession and repentance is name your bad behavior, promise not to do it, then we're never gonna be truly free. And freedom is what God wants for us. He loves us so much. He wants so much more than that. So how would you feel if we spend today and we say we're going to reframe the way we think about confession and repentance and start to see these two things as beautiful gifts that were given to us by God out of his love and his kindness. Not to put a thumb on us and make us feel bad, but to make us feel free and light. So to get there, I'm gonna give you a very simple definition for each one. Here's the first one. Confession, look, it's that easy. Telling God the truth. Now, let me tell you, this means, like I said a minute ago, this is telling God the truth, your truth about how you feel. This is not telling God what you think you're supposed to say. It's not telling him what you learned to say in Sunday school. You know, I know that this is really bad, but I'm supposed to tell you that I believe that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And that's true. But if you don't feel it, don't say it. If you don't feel it, you know what you could say to God? God, I know that your word says that all things work together for good, but my confession is that I don't feel that way right now. My confession is that everything around me looks really messed up and I don't see anything working for good. That's the truth. And do you know that God is big enough to accept that? Actually, it's not that he's big enough. He loves that. He, I just picture that he applauds and says, now we can go somewhere because you're telling me the truth. I want to tell you two things that I think will be so helpful. Confession is more than saying I'm sorry. And it's more than naming your bad behavior. It's more than saying I'm sorry. And it's more than naming your bad behavior. Those two things might be involved at some point. I think there are places where apologies are perfectly needed. But how many of you know you can say I'm sorry and not mean it one iota? So it's more than saying I'm sorry. It's more than naming your bad behavior. It's gotta get to the heart of what's going on inside of you. Let me tell you a story. Somebody came up to me this morning and they said, are you speaking today? And I said, yes. And they said, who are you gonna tell a story about, Abby, Creed, or Jason? And I said, I think I got all of them today. I already told you, Abby's our daughter. She's 24 now. Creed is my son. He's 21. When Creed was about six or maybe seven, somewhere in there, he and Abby shared a bathroom in our house and the toilet in their bathroom became incredibly stopped up, like bad stopped up, like something's in there that's not biodegradable. (laughs) And so immediately, because Jason and I are incredibly wise and discerning parents, we go to Creed (laughs) and we said to him, did you put something in the toilet to which he said, nope. Are you sure that you didn't put something down in the toilet? No, I didn't. Three times. Are you positive? Think really hard. 
is there anything in the toilet that should not be in the toilet? He's like, no, there's not. So we did exactly what we had to do, which Jason starts taking the thing apart and reaching up in there and trying to get the, pulls out a Batman action figure. (laughs) And so because this is the kind of parent I was when the kids were little, my primary goal was to make Creed feel really bad about lying. I wanted him to feel terrible about lying, and I wanted him to say he was sorry. So we call him into the bathroom. We're holding the Batman action figure. And I said, Creed, is there anything you want to say? And he said, I did put Batman in the toilet. I still want him to say I'm sorry. So I said, is there anything else? And he said, and a whole lot of bubble gum. To which me and Jason had to go back and start digging again. We never got to, I'm sorry. And him naming his bad behavior didn't make us any better off. Because confession and telling the truth has to get to the heart of what's going on. It can't just be, I'm sorry, I put Batman and bubblegum in the toilet. It's got to be more than that. I want to show you something that I think is absolutely fascinating And some of you say, that just now jumped out at you, but true story, it did. It's so good. Look at 1 John 1.9. This is the scripture that we talk about a lot when we talk about confession. And it says, if we confess our sins. So now that you know a new definition, drop it in there. If we tell the truth, then he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What jumped out at me when I read that this time was that there's two action words in that scripture. When we tell God the truth, the first thing he does is forgive our sins. Forgiveness is huge. How many of us are thankful for forgiveness? If it weren't for forgiveness, we'd be in a mess. So thankful that he forgives. But look also, and he will cleanse us. Do you know that when we sin, when we believe things that aren't true, that the ick of that, the negativity of that gets all over us? And so he forgives us for the sin and he cleanses the unrighteousness, which means that he takes away all of the guilt, the shame, the false thinking, the lies, the faulty identities, everything that has gotten all over us because of the sin he cleanses off of us. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience. I've had this experience where we've done something wrong. We've named our bad behavior. We've received forgiveness because that's the kind of God he is. But then we continued to walk in guilt, shame, fear, judgment, condemnation, because we didn't let the work finish of being cleansed from all that. It's not the place where God has designed us to walk. Jesus didn't die for us to keep walking around in shame. He finished the work. And so what we have to do now is partner with him to access everything that he's already made possible for us. So confession is telling him the truth, all of it. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Okay, we got that one. Let's hold confession over here. That goes in this box for just a minute. That's one good gift. And then let's come over here and look at the repentance part. Repentance in Scripture literally means realigning my way of thinking with God's perspective. That's that simple. Confession, tell Him the truth. Repentance, change the way I think to the way he thinks. It's that simple. When we do those two things, actually the behavior, the regret, the sorrow, those things take care of themselves naturally. But we have to tell the truth and change the way we think. That is actually what the Greek word says. If we were to look at scripture and open up our Bible concordance, we would see that the word for repent is metanoia. And see there, it has two pieces of definition. The first one, look it up in your Bible app, the first definition of repent literally means to change one's mind. Change your mind. 
The next part is to change one's mind for better with abhorrence of one's past sins. That means I change the way I think to hate the things I did before. This is what I want to put out there that, that the definition tells us. Sometimes a negative emotion is tied to sin, and sometimes the negative emotion is not tied to sin. Sometimes the negative emotion and confession needs to happen because we have done something wrong and we need to dig down to figure out why. Sometimes a negative emotion is there just because we live in a fallen world and life is hard. Either way, they both require us to change our mind. They both require us to change the way we think. So just like confession, let me tell you this part. Repentance is more than feeling regret. At some point, you might feel regret, but it's, it's beyond that. And repentance is more than vowing to be different. This is what I want you to know about the whole thing. Confession and repentance are heart issues. And what God wants when he says to us to confess and repent, what he wants is us to clear out the clutter that Katie led us in singing about. Clear out all the stuff inside of you that's causing you to believe lies and negativity. Clear all of that out and change your mind to agree with me. You remember the scripture? Um, we we kind of laugh about it a lot here. Mark 1, 15. Jesus is talking, and Derek preached about this scripture. He hadn't been here very long, and he used this scripture, and he stood up here, and he said that Jesus said, repent, and we laughed because we were like, we have this big idea of it is repent, do it, when actually if we look at that scripture in light of what we just said about the definition, it would be Jesus saying, the kingdom of God has come here, change your mind. And believe the good news. Not straighten up and act like somebody. But change your mind and believe what's good. That is true repentance. This is what, if we don't understand anything else today, if you walk away with nothing else, walk away with this next sentence. Right there. The next sentence that says, there it is, okay. <laughs> under any negative emotion is a lie that you are believing about yourself and at the core of that, a false belief about God. If you don't remember anything else, let's remember that. Under any negative emotion, you're afraid, you're discouraged, you're disappointed, you're jealous, you're fearful, you're ashamed. Under any of that is a lie that you're believing about yourself. And beneath that is a false belief about God. So what you are invited to is to peel back the layers until you get to that core belief about God. And once you get there and realign with truth, then the rest of the stuff up here will follow suit. Behavior, how you speak, how you act, all that will follow. Let me give you a real life example. Um, I'll give you a real life example, one from my own life, and then I'll give you a real life example out of the Bible. How would that be? We'll keep it even that way. All right, so you could think of your own negative emotion, but I'll tell you how it worked for me really recently. If I'm not careful, and this is like, people who know me will be like, this is the understatement of the century, but if I'm not careful, I can worry a lot. See, people who know me think that's funny, but I can't. Like, I excessive worry if I'm not careful. And so I have to be really conscious of, consciously aware of, am I, am I worrying? Am I fretting? Am I being afraid? And if I am, what's the cause of it? What's the root of it? And I would tell you, you do the same. As soon as you feel a negative emotion start sitting up straighter and say, okay, where's this coming from? And do what I'm about to tell you. But this is what happened. Sometimes it takes a minute before you can shake yourself into reality because you get in this spiral. Here's the way it worked for me. Back in the fall, Abby says 
that she's, or I told you, she's going to come home and stay for a year, go back to school, and leave her regular full-time job to pursue going back to school. And so this is what I knew, that if she came home, life for us was going to change significantly, <laughs> which was not a lie, because here's one thing that did happen. Okay, side story. This is a rabbit trail, and we'll come back over there in a minute. This is a side story. Life changes significantly when your grown children come back home. For anyone who hasn't experienced it yet, I'll just tell you right now. They're great. You love them. Having them there is joyful. It's a whole different ballgame when they leave and come back. Okay, but it's still great, just different. So she has been home about a month when one night Jason and I are in bed asleep because we go to sleep at 9.30, maybe 10. She's 24, so she doesn't go to sleep that early. But we're in bed. We are sound asleep. It's like a quarter of 12 at night. And Jason and I are awakened by the most horrific sound that I have ever heard in my entire life that sounded like a crashing of everything we owned. Just coming down at once. Like, boom, 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 boom. And you know, at some point, while you're laying there startled awake and hearing a horrific sound and it seems to be lasting forever, you have a logical thought. And in my mind, I thought somebody's falling down the steps and it's still happening. Like, how can time pass like that? Like, dun, 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 dun. Like, I don't even know we had that many steps. So Jason and I jump out of bed and we go to the top of the steps. Here's me, Jason. Oh, Abby came home and brought a dog. So here's me, Jason, and the dog standing at the top of the steps, looking at her laying at the bottom of the steps. And because, listen, anger is rooted in fear, because that's a true statement, I looked down there and said, what are you doing? And she said, I fell down the stairs. <laughs> no kidding, you fell down the stairs. And so, so it was, it's crazy because I thought, she fell down the stairs for six years. She said, I fell down the stairs so long that I had time to think. I th believe I'll put my arm out and catch myself. Oh, wait, why am I not stopping? Like, it lasted forever. So that's just a side note. Your grown children come home. Life is disrupted. There you go. Negative emotion, you got plenty to deal with. But it's good. It's good because you work jigsaw puzzles together and play cards, and that makes it all worth it. Okay, so anyway, back to, back to, she says she's going to come home, and here's what dawned on me. She's not going to have her job, so that means she's not going to have an income. That means that we're going to have to foot the bill for gas and that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at our bank account and thinking, We've got a decent chunk of money and savings, but that's going to change things when she comes home. Plus, it's getting close to Christmas. And no matter how you work it, you spend too much money at Christmas. Don't get me started on Christmas. Like, who just decided that Christmas and snow should go together? Like, the two things that I deeply dislike at one time. But anyway, irrelevant. So I'm looking at it, and I'm like, we got her coming home. We've got Christmas I had, before we knew Abby was coming home, had planned a vacation and had paid for half of it, but still owed the other half. If I cancel, I'll lose my money. So what, okay, so now we got Christmas and Abby and to pay for this vacation, not to mention the fact that stuff just costs more right now. Everything costs more today. So there was that. And then Jason says one night, just kind of in a passing, because why wouldn't you just say this in passing? He's like, you know what? We got three vehicles that need tires. So we need 12 tires, Abby to come home, Christmas, half a vacation, and regular life expenses. And I got worried. Like, I got crazy worried. Like I said, we had a decent chunk of money in the bank, but I'm thinking, is that going to last us very long? And this is what I started doing, because when I worry, I start trying to control things. And this is the way that I tried to control this one. I opened my banking app about 78 times a day and did math. I would open it up and be like, okay, there's what we have. This will probably cost this, this will cost this, this will cost that. That'll leave us with roughly this. Unless something else over here happens, 
Then we, I mean, I did math all day, every day. And the number's not changing. You know, like, but I'm still working the math. And like, I got myself in such a frenzy about are we going to run out of money by the end of the year that I, 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 I was worried about it all the time. I'm doing all this math all the time. It was about to make myself physically ill because that's all I did. Finally, one day it dawned on me, how about you practice what you preach? Because I have taught hearing God, the class, about a hundred times now. And I teach people all the time, any negative emotion is an invitation to a conversation with God. Never once have I taught a negative emotion is an invitation to do a lot of math. Not ever. And so finally, one day I sat down with the Lord and I said, okay. And I I wrote it in my journal and this is what I wrote. I wrote down, I am constantly doing math and I'm afraid that we're not going to have enough. And I felt like the Lord was like, peel back the layer. You know, it's always more to it. And so I wrote, I'm afraid that we're going to deplete our savings account. Okay, the Lord's peel back that layer. I'm afraid that we're not going to have enough for what we need. And I'm afraid that we're going to live in lack. And then finally, because the Lord won't leave it, he's like, peel it back. Peel it back. I got to a place where I wrote, I don't believe that you will provide. And that's the truth of it, isn't it? When you're doing math all day, you don't believe the Lord will provide because the Lord has ways to provide that your math doesn't calculate. He has ways to make things happen for us that we cannot figure out in our earthly strategies. All we can do is give truth to him and let us tell, let him tell us his truth. So that was the first way I had to go through layer after layer after layer of confession to get to, I don't think you're going to provide. And then it was time to repent, change the way you think. And I don't know how to think if I don't ask him. This is where I have to hear God. God, what do you think about this situation? And that day when I asked him, when I prayed about it and I said, what do you think? The first thing that came to my mind was the story of the feeding of the 5,000. God took a little bit and he multiplied it supernaturally. Everybody had more than enough. And I felt like in my spirit, I felt like that the Lord said, the words I wrote down was that I felt like he said, look at what you have, hold it up, bless it, and I will multiply it. And God is so practical. He is so practical. I'm not telling you that I heard this in an audible way, but I'm telling you that I heard it. As much as I can hear anything, I heard it. He said, every time you are tempted to open that banking app, put your hand on your phone and bless what's there. And so I did. Like I pick up the, it is habit, y'all. I pick up the phone key and the thing and I'm like, ugh. God, thank you. Bless what's in this bank account. I can't tell you how much I blessed that money. I cannot tell you how much I did. But here's what I know. We ended 2023 with more money in our savings than we started with. And it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even make sense. Because God has ways for us to do things that we will never, ever think of. But we got to get to the core of what we really believe. And I could have put on my Sunday outfit and been like, God, I know you provide. I know you provide. I know you provide. But until I believed it, nothing was going to change. That's what repentance is. Repentance isn't digging our heels in and saying, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. Repentance is, God, I believe what you say and I'm going to walk in what you say no matter what I see. And when we get those core beliefs right, everything changes up the chain. What used to be negative emotions that were all this bad fruit, when we get our core beliefs right, it travels up the tree and we get tons of good fruit. Because here's what I got to thinking. If I really believe, if I truly believe that God will provide all of my needs, then it would be natural for me to agree with what Paul said when he said it's better to give than receive. 
If I believe God's gonna provide for me, I don't have a problem giving away. If I don't have a problem giving away, I might pay for the lunch for the guy behind me at Pals. That's very practical, isn't it? And then the fruit of that is generosity, peace, joy, love, blessing. And it's a lot different than the fruit of worry and math. Who wants to live there? Not me. So this is what I want to tell you um, as we uh, kind of start to wind this down. This is what I want to tell you. Winship said a few weeks ago, he said, anything that we are walking through, we can find an example in the Bible that will show us how to do it. So I can tell you how it worked for me to tell the truth and realign my thinking, but I can also show you in the Word, which I think is far more powerful than anything I could say. So would you turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 5? As I was studying about confession, telling God the truth and repentance, changing your mind, I asked him, like, where does this happen in the Bible? And this was the place that I couldn't get out of. And I love it when God does this. I've read this story 170,000 times. And then all of a sudden, it's like, I never saw that before. So let's read this together, okay? One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Can we hold our our finger right there for just a minute? Because it dawned on me that this was a really quick example of confession and repentance. Really fast example of Peter saying, you know what the truth is? I've been doing this a long time and nothing has happened. That's the truth. I think we can infer that Peter said the truth is, I don't really know that it's gonna work this time. But, and the but is huge, Circle that in your scripture that the butt is huge. Circle that. It matters a lot. You know what? You'll always remember Jesus now when you think about the butt is huge. You'll always think of Jesus. Anyway, circle that because the butt in that scripture, it is so important because I think this is the place where Peter repented. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. My confession is that I don't think this is going to work. I've tried it already. Nothing seems logical about throwing in a net again now. But you have said that it matters, and so I'm going to change the way I think and align with you and do it. That's how easy and quick confession and repentance can be. Look what happens next, though. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled the boat so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. I wonder... Do you wonder with me? I wonder if this is a confession on Peter's part when he says, get away from me, I'm sinful. I don't know what negative emotion went through him up until that point, but I believe it was something. I believe we could use our imaginations and maybe infer that Peter saw how miraculous this was, how great Jesus was, and in light of all that, started thinking of how less he was. Maybe he thought of a sin he had committed. Maybe he thought of something he had spoken, something he had said, an action he had taken. Maybe he thought of something that made him feel like, I cannot be in his presence. And if we pulled back the layer of that, then maybe Peter thought, he doesn't want to be in my presence. Maybe if we pulled back the layer of that, Peter would have said, I don't believe he will want to stay with me. 
I don't believe he can stay with me. And what came out of his mouth was, go away, depart from me. I think that probably Peter went through all those feelings and the question becomes, did he repent? Did he realign his thinking with the way God thinks, the way Jesus thinks? And if we read the rest of the scripture, we know that absolutely he does. Look at what he says. He has just said, go away from me, Lord. Then Jesus said to Simon, he says, here's the way I think. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore. They left everything and followed him. Followed him is the same as I changed the way I think to the way you think. Peter started at get away from me, Lord, and ended up at I'm going with you. He started at I'm not worthy of being in your presence and ended at let's go do this thing together. Confession is telling the truth. Repentance is changing the way we think to align with God. And when we do it, confession and repentance lead to freedom. We don't have to carry guilt, shame. We don't have to carry the negative emotion. To wrap up, you remember back when we started and I said sometimes repentance is about sin and sometimes it's just changing your mind because life is hard. Sometimes it's about sin, sometimes it's not. I don't ever want anyone to take a negative emotion and make it even more difficult than it already is. Just because you feel something that's negative doesn't mean that you're bad or wrong or you've done something terrible. But whether your negative emotion is tied to sin or whether it's not, the prescription is the same. You take it to the Lord. You tell him the truth. You ask him for his way of thinking and align with it. I want to show you, last thing, the most beautiful example that I think exists in all of Scripture. So, turn to Mark 14. And this is where we're going to end. Go all the way down to verse 32, Mark 14, 32. And let's read these few verses together. And they, they is Jesus and his disciples. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell down on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet. Yet is like, but. Some of your versions will say, nevertheless. Jesus said, yet not what I will, but what you will. And I want to put it out there to you that Jesus never sinned. There was never a time that we can say Jesus was guilty of sin. But man, he definitely had some negative emotion. He confessed to his father and to his friends, I am sorrowful unto death. That is negative. He confessed to his father in the earshot of his friends, if it is possible for this to pass from me, that would be good. But then he aligned his thinking with God's thinking and said, nevertheless, what you want is what will be done. I think Jesus always trumps every example, don't you? Because it is so beautiful to think if I have a negative emotion, I can go straight to the Father and I can tell him the absolute truth. If Jesus could, I know I can. If God loved Jesus, listen to Jesus, God will love me and listen to me. Here's what I want you to know. This is what I want you to not forget. Peter seems to have done it really fast. I don't really want to think that's going to work, but I'll do it anyway. We have a ton of fish. Get away from me, I'm sinful. You think I can fish for men? Okay, I'm going with you. Seemed to happen really quick. This scripture tells us that Jesus went back and prayed this prayer three times. 
Sometimes that negative emotion and your confession and your repentance is going to take a few days or a few weeks. It might take a few years before freedom and transformation is complete. But that's okay because we have a Father who loves us, who gave us everything we need and promised to never, ever leave us. Any negative emotion is an invitation to have a conversation with him. So as we close up, will you bow your head for just a moment? And I want to invite you to begin a conversation that maybe you'll finish this week. But think about a recent negative emotion. Something you felt recently that was negative. And tell God the truth about it. Tell him the whole truth about it. Take the time to peel back the layers and let the Holy Spirit keep nudging you until he says, and, and, and. Till you get to a place where you can ask God, what is the wrong belief about you that I've been holding on to? Because we don't want to live with a wrong belief about God. We want to live in the freedom of everything he's promised us. So Holy Spirit, we ask you this week as we continue to press in to confession and repentance, we just ask you to teach us the truth of what God says. And remind us to change the way we think, to agree with God, no matter what the circumstance looks like, empower us, Holy Spirit, to agree with truth. And in that place, remind us to walk in freedom. Again, Jesus, King Jesus, we love you. And we look forward to finishing this conversation with you. Amen. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward so that if you want to take some time to come and have them agree with you in prayer, I pray that you finish this conversation this week and that negative emotions make you excited. You are blessed people. Go walk in your blessing.